you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy hellman it is officially the holiday season if you're watching on youtube you can see behind me this light dusting of snow over my connecticut landscape the previous homeowner warned me, he said, Betsy, you are going to love this home in every season, but no season will be as magical as the winter time. And he was not wrong. You know, before this snow, it looked pretty bleak and you could easily point out everything that was wrong with the landscaping and just issues that were bugging me before, like bulbs being burned out on the exterior and things like that were all the more conspicuous without beautiful leaves and flowers to distract me. But last night, these huge flakes came down and just lightly drifted over every little thing. And all of a sudden, I forgot about all that stuff from the bulbs to the unpruned rose bushes to everything. And it just turned into a winter wonderland. That is until... The Amazon truck came barreling down our gravel driveway, promptly got stuck, and stayed there for the next four hours. <laughs> so the winter wonderland turned a little bleak, but it is beautiful again today, and it makes working in my cozy cottage out back even more inspiring. I have yet to light the wood-burning stove because I am intimidated by it. Got it all set up, but today is one of those perfect days where it's like, Betsy, just light a match and try it. Ah, you can take the girl out of the city, but you know, some habits die hard and I'm just used to turning on the furnace and not turning on the wood-burning stove. I'll save that for next week, a challenge for next week. I hope you all are having a good week wherever you are. Uh, I talked to somebody the other day, a student in the academy, and she said, Betsy, how was Vegas? Did you have a blast? I can't believe you were in Vegas. That sounds amazing. Well, well, you know, I was going there very last minute to tag along on my husband's work trip. And I was so excited because not only were we going to have a fun couples weekend in Vegas, and we have not had a couples vacation since before COVID, but also we were going to go to that party that black tie party thrown by a billionaire, one of his work people. 
And I was so excited and I had that perfect dress and everything was amazing. So we, because I booked last minute, we're on separate flights and we drive to the airport in the same Uber. My flight keeps being delayed and delayed and is ultimately delayed five hours. But as we're driving in the Uber, my husband's flight actually got canceled on the drive to the airport. So we're trying to cobble things together. We're taking advice from the online rep and the phone rep and the, oh my gosh, it was insanity. And after my third push on the, you know, delay, I was like, well, I bet my flight's going to get canceled to do. So my husband went home and, you know, I would have just canceled my flight except that I checked a bag. I would have just gone up to the counter and said, let's just forget about it. But I checked a bag and also we weren't going to get the hotel cost back. Okay. So ultimately my flight does go and my husband books a flight for the next day. No problem. 24 hours in Vegas alone. Not a big deal. I will visit the spa. I will get some work done. I actually have an amazing colleague that's worked with me for four or five years and I've never met her and she lives in Vegas. So we made plans to meet up. She's actually our social media writer and also our blog writer. I was really excited to get to see her in person for the first time. So my Friday was going to be plenty packed and he could just join that night and we'd go to an amazing show. All right. So he goes back to the airport the next day, different airline, different flight, winded our back. Very exciting. And he gets delayed and delayed and delayed. And all of a sudden, we're going to miss our 11 p.m. absinthe show that my amazing content writer got us tickets for. And I was so excited. And then his flight gets canceled. And he takes another $120 Uber back to our house and decides Vegas is not happening for him. But all of a sudden, Vegas is happening for me for four days alone. And Vegas is packed because there's a Raiders game. There's some huge rodeo. There's an Amazon conference in town and another tech conference. So this place is jumping and it is very strange to be in Vegas alone. There's lots of places you could go to alone and have an amazing time. Paris, Rome, heck, Vermont. I just sit in a long cabin and write. But in Vegas, there's an energy that you need to be participating. You need to be a little rowdy. You need to be getting into a little bit of trouble and having a lot of fun. And that's not necessarily a great alone vibe, but I made the best of it. I did go to that spa. I saw three shows, Absinthe being my favorite, but I also saw David Copperfield, who was hysterical. Uh, You could just cross that off your bucket list now because. While the magic was amazing, he kind of phoned it in. I was his four o'clock show, and I'm sure he had two other shows coming up that night. And it was clear that he wanted us to see some stuff and then get the hell out. (laughs) But he looks amazing for his age, and the magic was amazing. Uh, And then I went to see Cirque du Soleil. And by that time, I was so tired. I'd had such a day. I walked 20,000 steps on the strip because that's the best people watching maybe in the United States. Uh, And so I was exhausted and I was front row at Cirque du Soleil. And I don't recommend that, by the way, guys. There's a reason those tickets are cheaper. Like I had a crick in my neck. And also it's hard to take in that these stunts are so spectacular when you're just staring at some guy's 
quivering thigh as he's like holding up six other people on top of him. I couldn't even see up to the top of the six people. So I was just looking at this guy who's just shaking and smiling and in this fantastical outfit. Anyway, it was a great vacation. I had a very fun time, but it was also surreal. I was in two places at once thinking about my husband and how much fun he would be having thinking about, you know, how to get the most out of this Vegas vacation that was super unplanned and now a solo location. Anyway, I don't want to tell you guys I had a blast because then my husband may listen to this episode and feel even worse, but I did have a very good time and it's fun to travel. And I kind of forgot with COVID but it's really fun to travel and just see something totally new and have all these new ideas. And while I was traveling, I did have an amazing new idea. My first night in Treasure Island, the hotel, I'm sitting at one of the faux noodle restaurants eating dinner and I had the most amazing idea. So in 2023, I will be dropping a brand new idea that I'm very excited about. So hopefully that'll keep you on the edge of your seats because the best ideas can come not when you're grinding in the day-to-day, worried about payroll, worried about clients, worried about invoices, but when you finally step away and are in a totally new, different environment that triggers different synapses in your brain to be firing and an idea that had been floating crystallized in my mind, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Stay tuned. Uh, So while I did not win big in Vegas, I only gambled $5 and I promptly lost it in five minutes, I did have potentially a million-dollar idea. Who knows? Who knows? Let's follow it and see where it goes. And that's my wish for you in the new year. I know we got to close out this year before we think of the new year, but I realized that all the best things in my life have come from bravely following curiosity not being sure, not planning too much ahead, but being curious and curious enough to do the work to see what's that like? You know, even as an interior designer, I just liked watching it on TV. I was like, well, why don't I go work with somebody on TV? Why don't I just write to this person? I didn't know what it was going to be like. I didn't know the hours involved or even really much about this person. You know, I applied for Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, but I didn't even have cable at that point. I'm not even sure I'd seen an entire episode. I just knew he was a famous TV designer. I was more into trading spaces, which was on cable, but anyway, I had, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? But <laughs> I think when Queer Eye came out, I did not have cable because I clearly remember I had not seen a whole episode when I wrote to him. So there you go, guys. There you go. Bravely follow your curiosity wherever it leads, even if it leads to a new hobby or just a new afternoon adventure, or a completely new vocation. Sometimes when you're bravely following, you invest more time than you thought, but you're so curious and you're so interested that it feels like no time is passing at all, or the work is worth it. And in my case, owning this interior design firm has truly been following my curiosity and following other people's curiosity about me. The clients kept calling. I kept answering. Okay. Uh, And that's how I choose to find my new paths too. All right, new path. I'm walking down the road straight to the mailbag and I'm going to answer some of your questions right now. My first question comes from Emily and Emily is writing from Queens. She's an interior designer and has a question for me. 
Hi, Betsy. I'm currently working with a client who is all about neutrals and hates color. Her living room, which I've attached here, is all taupe, beige, and gray. She recently mentioned wanting to attempt to add a bit more color and make it wintry and cozy. The one color she suggested was eggplant. I know that purples are a difficult color to find as designers as there are so many shades. I also fear that anything bold she will turn down. I have attached two pictures of possible options, the first from English Elm and the second from Society6. I'd love to hear your thoughts on decorating for people afraid of color. All right. Well, I'm happy to give you those thoughts, Emily. Thanks for writing. And yes, you know, this living room is beautiful. It's stylish and inspiring for sure, but it is drab. And when people design with all neutrals, they need to buy expensive things or else it looks cheap. Now, luckily, a lot of the things in these pictures look pretty expensive. So that's a good check mark. But then even when they do look expensive, they look like a boutique hotel. There's no personalization, especially in this frame that you've shown me here, because there's no art. There's no color. There's barely any pattern. It's really hard for me to get a read on who lives here besides the sneakers in the corner, right? So I just think that adding color, maybe not purple, but adding color is a really quick way to add personality, especially when people are afraid of showing their personality through mementos, tchotchkes, souvenirs, things they've collected throughout the eras or things that have been passed down to them. When they're afraid to show personality in a more revealing way, then by all means, let's use color. The other reason I love to use color, as you already know, is because we don't have to spend so much. When something is cream, when something is beige, you know, it's so boring that people are looking for those sumptuous textures, those rich details. And when they look close and find wonky seams from Ikea or, you know, mild discoloration from Target, well, it doesn't look luxe. It looks like they made no choices and shopped the bargain bin at Home Goods. That's why I really want to infuse this space with color and personality. But as a designer, I would hope that you would know that we're not just going to arbitrarily pick colors. I mean, I'm excited that your client likes eggplant, even though, take it from me, nightmare color. But the problem is that we need an entire color palette. You can't just rely on one color to fuel a space or else it's going to look like the purple room right? So we need a piece of art or a drapery or a significant pillow or, you know, something that's going to provide the color palette for the room. And this inspiration piece that I call it needs to have three Roy G. Biv colors or more. So that's rainbow colors, right? Can't be neutrals. And needs to be prominently placed in the room. So when I walk in the room, I can visually understand where this palette derives from. In this case, you've already got a rug. I can only see one wall, which appears to be, even though I don't think it's well used, it is used. Uh, and then, you know, there's opportunities on the couch for pillows. And I can't see the windows, so I can't see if they're well set up for window treatments or if they already have those in place. Let's go with like two toss pillows on the sofa, which could be the focal point in terms of the seating area. 
and let's make them in a pattern. Uh, so two in a pattern and two solids. And when I do the solids, I typically like to do some kind of texture, either a raw silk or a velvet or something. So that it's got a little bit of something going on. It's not just a cotton twill, right? All right. So we'll do two pillows and that will give us the color palette. The other trap I wanted to quickly mention is that I do not design for the seasons. I am sick of magazines writing me and saying, Betsy, tell us about how you switch things out for winter. Tell us about how you totally change your decor seasonally. And the answer is I don't. I add different accessories, right? Certainly a Christmas tree, a garland, some houses, some additional candles, but I don't change my rug. I don't take down my translucent drapes and put up opaque ones. I don't even change my pillows. I really just change my pillows whenever I feel like it. Same with the throw blankets, which tends to be every six months, but does not correspond with seasons or seasonal colors. I think that that might be a problem. This space is already a little moody due to the rich tones of brown that this client has used. And I would want to lighten and brighten. I worry that plum could get a little muddy or I'm sorry, eggplant. Uh, same idea to me, but maybe slightly different in execution. Uh, but I worry that that could get a little muddy as well. I highly recommend um, brightening this space with a warm color. I could see a yellow, even if it's yellow ochre, right? But we definitely need to move away from drab and dark and move into the light and convince your client by sharing this episode with him or her or, you know, telling them everything. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Let's move to my next question in the mailbag. Next question comes from Maria. And Maria is writing me from Brooklyn. She says, hi, Betsy. I love your podcast and I recommend it to everyone I know. You're an excellent host. I love the show and I'm blown away too. My husband and I bought our first home last year. We live in Brooklyn. Throughout the home, we have hardwood floors with a red mesquite color. The walls are painted a warm white, creamy, by Sherwin-Williams. The crown and shoe moldings are an extra white. 
we are now in the process of getting window treatments. I'm going to do Roman shades throughout the house. I like neutral colors and gray and beige. I wanted your opinion about what type and color of window treatment would work best for the kitchen window and the sliding door that goes out to the balcony. I was thinking light beige Roman shades for the kitchen window and maybe a vertical blind for the door. Also, do you think I should paint the medium brown wood trim that's around the window and around the door, perhaps in a white or gray to break up the medium wood that's in the kitchen? After the window treatments, we do plan on updating the backsplash and countertop in the kitchen. I'm thinking white stone countertop with a white beige backdrop. I will not choose white on white as I have learned that from you. We will also change and get an aluminum sink with a black handle so I can mix metals. See, I do listen to your podcast. And I will change out the white knobs for nickel or even copper or rose gold. I'm open to your ideas about what to do with the window and the doorway to break up this wood in my kitchen. All right. Well, I love the pictures. They are really illustrating the situation. So I greatly appreciate you sending those in, Maria. I want to challenge one thing that you said. You said you're a regular listener, and I think you're going to have to go back in the database a few years. Maybe you're a new listener because you should also know I do not like rose gold. I love rose gold for jewelry. I love if you're shopping at H&M and find something rose gold and want to layer it on. But rose gold is just too trendy. And not only is it too trendy, it's a trend that was happening three to five years ago. Rose gold is over. And if you start doing things in rose gold, you're going to quickly run into a roadblock because nothing's really offered in rose gold anymore. It is super dated. It is obsolete. If you want to wear a ring or a necklace, go right ahead. If you want to do something like put it in your kitchen, think again. I'm open to the other metal suggestions like nickel. Ugh, I'm barely open to copper. Copper is going to be very difficult to work with. It's not trendy. I would say that it's pretty timeless, but you are going to have a really hard time replicating that copper tone in anything else. So sticking with warm metals like gold or brass, sticking with cool metals like nickel or chrome, and then sticking with black metals like wrought iron or bronze are really going to be your best choices. Any metals that are more exotic than that are going to be really difficult to back up with other things. All right, let's get to your real questions, but I just, I couldn't let that slide by, Maria. As a fan, I want you to know everything that I know. I want my brain to be transmuted through the airwaves into your brain so that you don't make bad choices. And I'm worried that you're going to make a really bad choice with something really important in your kitchen. Help me help you. All right, now let's talk about the Roman shades. Now, you know that I don't care for Roman shades in a lot of applications because they have a huge header. So Roman shades are fabric blinds that go up in rectilinear kind of pieces, and all that fabric has to nest at the top. So if you're going to do a Roman blind, either you need a really big window, right, and that means really high and gets a lot of beautiful natural light because you're going to lose 8 to 18 inches at the top where all that fabric comes together when you've got the window open. The other thing I don't like about Roman blinds is that it's fabric 
And in a kitchen, that would trouble me, especially right above your sink where it might get splashed, it might get grease. Ugh, I don't love a fabric window treatment in a kitchen because it's going to be impossible to clean. You can't take that Roman shade down and put it in the washer. Like, ugh, and they tend to be expensive if you're doing custom. So you're really going to invest in something that could get pretty gross pretty fast. Now, going back to my first objection, if you wanted to prevent the blind from eating up all that beautiful window light, because this window is not tall in your kitchen, it is squat and wide, then you could outside mount the blind, which means not doing it inside the framing, but rather above the framing. And the thing I like about that is that you do have some drywall there that would then gain some visual interest and it would make your window look a lot taller. The thing I don't like about that is when you outside mount a Roman blind, unless you have a very deep sill, which you do not in this case, the Roman blind is not going to have a place to rest. It's not going to meet the window when it's fully drawn, which means it will just dangle there, just hanging in midair. And of course, you're going to do it custom, so it'll fit just perfectly, but I don't love the dangle above a kitchen sink. Now, maybe all the time you're going to have it up, but in that case, what you've created is a balance. And if you've read my book, Chapter 9, you know my feelings on balances. Can I just dissuade you from doing a Roman blind in this kitchen? Is there anything more I can say or do to help you pivot in a way that would make sense and be most cost effective? I am open to you doing a roller blind, a wood slatted blind, potentially no treatment at all if you don't need privacy, even though in Brooklyn, I'm having a hard time imagining a space where you don't need privacy. But you've got such a big space here for Brooklyn that I'm just wondering where you're located at all. You have a slider, all this amazing stuff. So Let's just assume you're in an urban environment, which I assume you are being Brooklyn, and that you do need that privacy. You know, you also want to be careful because you have a hand crank to open the window. So you need something that's going to fall in front of that without catching on the hand crank. So you do seem to have a deep window box, and I'm excited for that idea of a roller blind or that wood slatted blind. With the sliders, you know, there have been a lot of good recent innovations in sliding door treatments. Of course, you could do the vertical. It's not the worst idea, but there's all sorts of different things. So I would want you to explore other options. I would want you to get somebody custom in this room to give you the other options because there's constant new things coming along. They've got these things called like a panel track that has wider sort of slats, uh, but it can look a little bit Ikea. They have fabric sliding panels. They have cellular sliding panels. So you may want to explore the different options. And of course, all of those come at different price points. But um, now let's get to your next question. This place is so woody. You have those kind of rich wood cabinets. You have that mesquite wood stain floor. You have wood trim on the window and the slider. You have a wood dining table and you have wood chairs and a wood ceiling fan. I mean, come on. We've got to escape all this wood. And you do have crown molding in this room that has been painted white. I highly recommend painting the sliding door frame and the window frame that same white from the trim. 
I don't recommend using a different trim color. Now, guys, you will see in historic homes, you will see in other types of homes sometimes, uh, different rooms that are painted with different trim colors. And I think that is amazing. I think it's really fun. I also think you have to have an amazing eye to do that. I don't think that's something that just the lay person can throw together. And the molding needs to be really interesting if you're going to draw someone's eye to it. And in this case, the molding is rather simplistic. Definitely just keep it the same trim color. So keep it that extra white that you've been doing the rest of the trim, but I think it will really lighten and brighten the space and also update it because I'm really excited to hear that eventually you'll do the countertops as well as the backsplash. This place needs an update. And if you take my advice, which I think that you should, and you don't do the Roman blind around the window, I highly recommend bringing that backsplash tile not only all the way up to the range hood, but also that sheetrock above the window would look amazing with the same backsplash treatment. All right, guys, I have given so much advice to poor Maria. I hope she was taking copious notes. And I hope that you guys are staying warm. One thing I want to remind you about is our big contest. You only have two weeks left to go to iTunes and write us a five-star review. Head over to iTunes, check out Affordable Interior Design, leave a five-star review, and you will be entered to win a online class taught by yours truly. It is my Styling Your Home class. It teaches you how to work with color palettes, which we talked about earlier on today's episode teaches you how to mix pattern, what to look for when hanging artwork, all sorts of good stuff. And for me, it is, well, I have three classes and I feel like, you know, I chose those three topics because I think they're just so important. Whether you're a hobbyist or you're taking it a little more seriously, you are going to get lots of action-packed tips from this 40-minute online class. So go over to iTunes, write a review, and I'll be announcing two winners in early January. All right. Bye, everyone. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com.
If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.